And good morning, everyone. And uh, thank you, Mark. I'd like to read a psalm. Uh, it's, it's Psalm 84. So I'm going to invite you to stand again with me. I know you've just sat down. Uh, but we're going to stand together. And, and the words of this psalm, or, or the lyrics of this song, because it is a prayer and it is a song, will be on the screen. And what I'm going to suggest we do this morning is I'll read the first verse, and then I'm going to invite you to join together, read the second verse, and then I'll read the third verse, and so on. So please, let's stand together for the public reading of God's Word. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a rest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my God and my King. And blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold for those whose way of life is blameless. Please do grab a seat. Our 40 days uh, is over. And, and it has been great to hear some feedback about its impact and its, and its influence. And as Marcus said, please, please do continue to share your experience with us. Email us, tell us your story. But, but although the 40 days came to an end on Thursday, the journey isn't over. Please don't stop praying. Please don't stop reading scripture. Please don't stop seeking God's presence and his passion and his provision, as a few of you reminded us during our 40 days as we gathered for prayer, we need to keep praying during the next 325 or 323 days of 2017 and beyond. It can't stop. It shouldn't stop on the 9th of February. We, we journey on. And it's that idea and that picture that I, I want to think about just, just for a few moments the Christian life is, is often seen as, or it's referred to as a journey. It's not a static life. We're on the move. We're going somewhere. When the Apostle Paul writes about the Christian life to the church in Philippi, for example, he talks about straining forward to what lies ahead. And then later he writes, he presses on, and we must press on towards the goal about receiving a heavenly praise. And, and throughout Scripture, the people of God are seen to be on the move. 
individually, corporately, there is momentum. They were, and we still are, a pilgrim people. I'm sure some of you, maybe many of you, how many people have read this 17th century classic from John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, right? Quite a few people. Where the Christian life as a journey is the kind of controlling metaphor of that story, where the central character who's aptly named Christian is on a journey, and he's on a journey towards the celestial city, or towards the heavenly prize, to use Paul's language, or towards a newer and far better world to give it a broader biblical perspective. And as the people of God in this place, at this time, we're on a similar journey. This world, as we know it, it's not our home. The Apostle Paul, or Peter, writing in his first epistle, actually describes Christians, the people of God, as strangers and pilgrims. That's our identity. We can't, we don't, we mustn't settle down. We must not allow our roots to go too deep. We are on the move. And for us as a church, that kind of language and that kind of imagery is maybe even more relevant, maybe even more poignant as we think about the physical journey that we are on towards the majestic via Fane Street and all that that involves. But far more importantly, far more importantly, we must journey on. We must strain forward. We must press on spiritually. We travel together towards a new building, a new home, yes, but we also travel towards all that God has for us in the days and months and years that lie ahead before we reach our true destination, our true home. And therefore, how we journey. And what happens to us, and what happens in us, and what happens through us as we travel is so important. We are a pilgrim people. We're on the move. Or rather, to use an even better word, we're on pilgrimage which captures more of the sense of a kind of religious or spiritual journey. And it's that word and all its associated imagery that grabbed my attention 11 days ago. On a Wednesday night, in this very room, whenever we met together to pray here at Fane Street Primary School on the 1st of February. And Mark led us that evening. And as he led us, he included this verse from Psalm 84 that we've just read together, or I read. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. And as I was thinking about today, and as we mark the end of our 40-day journey of prayer and Bible reading, here's my prayer. Here's what I want you, here's what I want us to take away from this morning. That we would set 
our hearts on pilgrimage. That's all I want you to hear this morning. That's all I want you to take away. That we, as individuals and as a church, would set our hearts on pilgrimage, on keeping going, on moving forward, on not letting up, on not taking our foot off the pedal just because a kind of specific or special stage of the journey is finished. That we would set our hearts on pilgrimage because the journey is not over. And part of the reason why this matters is found in the same verse. You see, if we maintain momentum, if our hearts are set in that direction, this verse clarifies and confirms that we will know we will experience God's blessing. According to the psalmist, this is the pathway for. This is the walkway of blessing. As individuals and as a church, we need to know God's blessing. We need to know God's favor at every step and every stage of the journey. And part of how we can know that is via having our hearts set on pilgrimage. It's via having our hearts committed to, set on continuing on, journeying on, moving forward, straining towards, pressing on. And notice, it's not in our own strength. To keep going to complete any journey requires and demands a certain degree and level of stamina and resolve and determination. And this journey that we are on as a pilgrim people, it's no different. It requires strength. And the source of that strength, the source of our strength is God. Blessed are those whose strength is in him. Or another way to put that, blessed are those who trust in God. This journey that we are on is hazardous. It is dangerous. There are sharp twists and turns, and there are many pitfalls along the way, and we'll, we'll come to that in a moment. But you see, if we trust God, if we rely on his strength, we will get there. We will make it. We will complete. We will finish this journey. Now, this psalm I know, and, and many of you will know, it was originally written in the context of an actual pilgrimage an actual journey that the people of God made on a regular basis to Jerusalem, to the temple for worship. But Psalm 84 still applies to us in 2017. It still resonates with us today because we are, as the people of God, on a pilgrimage to the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, all that God has for us. That's what we're pressing on towards. That's what we're straining forward towards. That's what we are going to. This journey isn't over. This is not our home. We can't put our roots deep down. We're a pilgrim people. We're strangers in this world. Our true home awaits. And so as a church, let's set our hearts on journeying on. Let's set our hearts on pilgrimage, but I want us to back up for a moment and ask a question. What are the characteristics? What are the key characteristics of these kinds of hearts? These blessed hearts? Well, I want to identify four. 
that are kind of explicit or implicit in this psalm. And the first is described right at the beginning in the opening two verses. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. You see, a heart that is set on pilgrimage longs for God. Heart set on pilgrimage long for God. Do you know the language and the emotion of the psalmist here is intense. It's, it's almost as if every fiber of his being yearns for and desires to be with God. His heart and his flesh cry out. It's about a passionate pursuit of the presence of God. And that remains essential for us in our lives and in our journey. The sense of longing expressed here, it's, it's a resting. The literal meaning of that phrase, my soul yearns and even faints. The literal meaning of that is that it refers to someone who is dying of love. Someone who is consumed with and driven by lovesickness. The psalmist here is saying, I am head over heels in love with God in love with his presence, in love with being with God. So this morning, what is your heart longing for today? What is your heart longing for this morning? How did you come to church today? Is there an internal and deep desire for God, for the presence of God that kind of fuels your worship, that leads you on, that propels you forward? Just a moment ago, we, we sang that simple little chorus, to be in your presence, to sit at your feet, to rest in your presence. This is my desire. This is my desire. This is what I want. This is all I want. I long for you, God. The psalmist describes this place, this being there, as simply lovely. How lovely. This is where he wants to be. The dwelling place of God, the courts of the Lord. In other words, the presence of God. But it's more than that, although that would be enough. It's more than lovely. It's also safe. Because even the sparrows found a home. And the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. Do you know there is ultimate safety and security in God? And in the presence of God, my Lord and my King. So that's why the psalmist's heart longs and yearns for God. Because to be with him, there's nowhere else he'd rather be. So how's your heart? I know it's a question we ask on a regular basis, but how's your heart this morning? Or maybe more importantly, where's your heart? Is it longing for God or is it longing for something else? As the psalm or the prayer continues, the writer then clarifies and expresses the, the, the true desire and state of his heart even further. Because he says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. You see, a heart that is set on pilgrim pilgrimage is secondly undivided. You see, being with God and in the presence of God is the number one priority. Given the choice, 24 hours with God totally trumps 24,000 hours spent anywhere else on this planet. 
In fact, the psalmist would rather stand at the doorstep of God's house in the thre- on the threshold of his presence than be away from it, mixing it up with anyone or spending time anywhere else. You see, to keep going, if we're going to journey on, we need undivided hearts. Hearts that are fully and totally devoted to and surrendered to God. In Psalm 86, two Psalms later, we read this prayer. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I'll walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Do you know, I I realize there are so many other things that attempt to divide our hearts. So many other things. So many other things that attempt to reduce our passion and deflect our attention and solicit our affection. And therefore, this is an incredible prayer to offer on a regular basis. Please, God, and I know it's my prayer, and I mean that, it really is, but please, God, give me an undivided heart. So hearts set on pilgrimage, they long for God, they are undivided, and as we think about the third characteristic. Let let, let me go back to the fact that this journey, this pilgrimage isn't always easy or straightforward. It is hazardous. There are desperately difficult stages along the way, and God's word doesn't ever suggest otherwise. We will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's probably the most famous psalm of all refers to. We will face trials of many kinds, to quote a New Testament truth. This journey is guaranteed to be tough. There will be tough times, tough moments. And in Psalm 84, the the writer refers to passing through the Valley of Baca on pilgrimage. Now, nobody's entirely sure where that is, but the implication is clearly that it's a desolate, dry, and barren place. And as we journey on as individuals and as a church, we will go through, we will experience these kind of locations, these kind of valleys, low points, hard places. And some of you are here this morning and you're right in them. Thank you for being here. And in some ways, there's there's no avoiding them. They're part and parcel of life. They're part and parcel of this, this journey. And getting through them is one thing. It's maybe all we want to do. And yet in this psalm, there's another perspective. There's hope and potential in the midst of midst. God is not only with them through the hardship, but the difficult places can be transformed and can in fact become a place of blessing. Listen again to verse As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. Now, I want and I need to be sensitive here. Because for those who are in a bleak place at the moment, this could sound or come across as incredibly trite. And I do not want to undermine or downplay the valley experiences of life and for those who trust God. But you know, for those who do trust God in the valleys, whose strength is in him, they can alter the landscape. 
And hearts that are set on pilgrimage can do that. They can make situations that feel lifeless become life-giving. They can find and bring hope in the midst of despair, not just for themselves, but for others. They can be a blessing. If you have an NIV Bible, you will see a footnote beside the word pools in verse 6. And then if you go down to the bottom of your page, it will say, or blessings. And therefore, this can read, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with blessings. God can use us in the dry, barren places of life and of life's journey to be a blessing and to refresh others. And I don't know about you, but this has been my experience this week as I've sat with some people here in the valley. But I don't know about you, but it's sometimes particularly those who are going through a difficult time and yet they're hanging on to God and they're trusting God. It's through those kind of people that I am most refreshed and blessed. Somehow, they walk through the valley. They're altering the landscape. And they are a blessing to me. And they can be a blessing to you. And you, as you walk through that place, can be a blessing to others. And I don't say that lightly, but hearts that are set on pilgrimage, on journeying on, on straining forwards, on pressing on, those kind of hearts can alter landscapes. And finally, hearts set on pilgrimage become stronger. See, the, those who journey like this, there's a real benefit. Because according to verse 7, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God and Zion. Those who trust in God on this pilgrimage, wherever it takes them, the highs and the lows, According to God's word, those kind of people, those kind of hearts will get stronger and stronger to the very end until they come face to face with their God. And that's what we're pressing towards. That's what we're journeying on to. And so our 40 days are over, but the journey isn't. And in a sense, nothing changes. We keep praying, we keep reading, we keep going. And as we do that, let me encourage you to walk out of here this morning with your heart set on pilgrimage. Because blessed are those who do. And what characterizes those kind of hearts? They long for God. They're undivided. They alter the landscape and they become stronger. May God lead us on until one day each of us appears before God.